0: Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today. And discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or give them a call at 877-646-5347. Again, that number is 877-646-5347. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click Join Us, and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive, uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. We had a lot of crazy stories over this past weekend, but I think the one that matters most is the story that could save an innocent man's life. It's a story about Daniel Penny who put a homeless, violent individual, Jordan Neely, in a chokehold. Ultimately, Jordan Neely dies. The left is calling for prosecution indictment of this man who is simply trying to defend himself and others. As you may have heard, the story last week and uh, over this past week was that a homeless Michael Jackson impersonator was belligerent and threatening passengers, saying he would hurt anyone and was prepared to go to jail. Three passengers on that train subdued this man. One of those individuals was Daniel Penny, putting this homeless person in a chokehold. Ultimately, this man, Jordan Neely, died, and the left began protesting, became violent, physically attacked one of our journalists for simply filming the protest. Seems to make no sense. I mean, I'd imagine you'd want people to see you protesting. And most importantly, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has repeatedly referred to this as a public murder demanding action. And condemning the individual who is simply trying to protect himself and the other innocent people who were victimized by this unwell individual. Not sad that Jordan Neely died. Of course it is. But what is a person to do? The latest update, which refutes so much of what the left has been pushing. Once again, another one of these circumstances like Covington kids or Jesse Smollett. The narrative was totally wrong. Postmillennial reports, full footage reveals former Marine Daniel Penny putting Jordan Neely in recovery position, passengers complimenting him. So let me tell you the full story right now. This man was violent and belligerent, threatening people. Three individuals subdued him and then attempted to save his life. In fact, it was reported this man was still breathing after being subdued. Post Millennial reports full footage that emerged on social media this Sunday revealed that Marine Corps veteran Daniel Penny had placed Jordan Neely in a recovery position after subduing him on the New York City subway earlier this week. Jordan Neely, a 30 year old violent homeless man and repeat offender with over 40 prior arrests died on Monday after Penny, 24, had placed him in a chokehold on the F train. Neely had reportedly started behaving erratically and showing aggression towards other passengers saying he would hurt people. The unearthed full footage revealed passengers complimenting Penny for taking action. It also shows Penny and one other passenger arranging Neely's body in the recovery position in an attempt to ensure that he would be okay. A passenger off screen can be heard saying he'll be all right. Neely appears to be moving late in the video and breathing. We have a couple other stories. A a horrible mass shooting and a man in a car ramming a bunch of immigrants. Once again, the left. They're trying to push a narrative as they often do. They're trying to condemn a man like Daniel Penny. They're trying to frame everything as though it's racist. And here we are. They're saying that within a week, a grand jury could indict Daniel Penny. And you know what? I, I think so. I really do. I really do think so. Um, man, I do not see how you survive in a city like New York anymore. And it's not just about the fact that it is a very, very Democrat city. It's just that people are terrified to defy a violent mob. So if it comes to being a juror in, say, Minnesota, and you are walked into a courtroom where police are lining the streets with rifles and there's mass rioting. And during this trial, there's an occupation of a portion of the city by far left extremists. And then they say, well, which is it? Whose side are you on? The people who will murder you in the streets or the cop? You see, it's really that simple. I, I used to use this analogy out quite a bit when it comes to free speech, Twitter, before the purchase of Elon Musk. I said, who do you think they're more worried about? Dave Rubin and a bunch of classical liberals marching up to Twitter HQ with pitchforks and crowbars or Antifa? I assure you, Not a single company in this country, in this world, is worried about a person like Dave Rubin, a mild-mannered classical liberal who's going to say, I disagree. But you know what they are worried about? Masked far-left extremists who are going to show up to your place of work and firebomb it, as they have been doing. So as a juror being told you can side with those who would mercilessly beat you or the cops. Oh, I know they like to come out and say all oh, the cops are bad. They're all evil. But uh, sorry, as much as there are problems with policing in this country, if you walk up to a cop and yell at him, he's likely not going to beat you. Now look, don't get me wrong. You piss off the wrong cop. You're going to get arrested because not all cops are good people. And some cops abuse their authority. But uh, you stop a homeless person who is violent from attacking people. And this mob will come after you. And now if you're a grand, if you're on the grand jury and they say, should we indict? You look out the window and what are you going to see? Far left extremists going like putting their finger over their neck, pointing at you saying, you better give us what we want or you're next. And that's what everyone's experiencing. That's anarcho tyranny. AOC, that's why I say she's maliciously evil. Because there's no way you look at a story like this and think someone like Daniel uh, 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 Penny, uh, Daniel Perry, sorry. Should be. Is it Perry? Have I, been, have I been saying it wrong? OK, it's written twice. Daniel Penny and Perry. I'm like, wait, what? It says Penny up there. And then it says, it says Perry down here, doesn't it? Yeah, it says Perry, whichever one it is. This guy should be going to jail. This guy should be getting an award for heroism, for saving people. Don't believe me? Here's a story from The New York Times. Woman dies after being pushed onto subway tracks in Times Square. The police said Michelle Go, 40 of Manhattan, was shoved in front of an R train as it approached a 42nd Street platform in Manhattan on Saturday morning. I always thought about this when I lived in New York, in Chicago, for that matter. The subway trains—they say, watch out, don't fall between the train, and don't stand too close, don't stand on the yellow part of the platform. A woman was waiting for a train, probably leading a normal life, ordinary life, when a psychotic, violent, homeless man for no reason. Murdered her. When was this? When's this story from? January 15th, 2022. Uh, Updated October 18th, 2022. Uh, Where's where's AOC? Where was she to come out and say that this must stop? We cannot live this way. Nowhere to be found, I guess. In a horrifying instant, a man walked up to a 40-year-old woman waiting for the subway in Times Square on Saturday morning and shoved her to the tracks as a train screeched into the station, killing her. The attack, which appeared to be random, and which the police said had been committed by a man with a history of mental illness, who may, be, may have been homeless, immediately brought new urgency to several of the city's most pressing concerns. A rise in some forms of violent crime in areas including the subway, a debate about how to deal with the hundreds of homeless people who seek refuge there, And a transit system in desperate financial straits struggling mightily to lure back riders. I'm not so sure I care about that that last one. My concern is protesters call for charges against Daniel Penny, man who placed Jordan Neely in a chokehold. Think about the world that they are trying to give you, people like AOC. Let me show you her tweets. Here's one. AOC tweeted on May 6th. Despite what Fox News wants you to believe, being afraid of an unarmed person is not a reason to kill them. We should never accept a society where such rationale becomes normal, especially when powerful incentives exist in politics and media to keep people afraid of each other. Mike Cernovich says Ashley Babbitt was unarmed. Interesting point. What is AOC trying to say? You see, we had Lance from the serfs on the show last week, and he kept trying to push this lie. It's a manipulation, right? He said, was uh, the actions of Daniel Penny proportional? And I said, yes, of course. And he said, so you think if someone is belligerent on a train, you can kill them? You see what they do? It's evil. I I genuinely believe it's evil. It's possible Lance is just a cog mindlessly echoing what's said to him by the left. That seemed to have been a component of some of his arguments. Like when he said forced birth over and over again, and I'm like, I don't know what that means. The baby has to come out of the woman one way or the other. What are you talking about? Forced birth? Like the baby's already there. I don't want to get into an abortion debate. But the point here is Daniel Penny did not kill this man. This man died in a fight with another man after he instigated it. So there's a big difference. The implication is that when they say something, when they frame it as though you, it's proportional to kill a man. The implication is that when Jordan Neely got on the train and started threatening people, that Daniel Penny thought to himself, this man must die, and then said he was going to take those actions. That's not what happened.
1: You're cruising down the highway. Windows rolled down, tunes blasting from the radio. You're in the zone and living the dream. Suddenly, your car sputters, coughs, and throws a wrench in your whole day. Tow trucks, repair bills, the dream turns into a nightmare. Don't wait until car trouble steals your peace of mind. Visit CarShield online at carshield.com slash carlson. Join millions of customers and contact CarShield now to save 20%. Visit carshield.com slash carlson. That's carshield.com slash carlson. Visit now.
0: Three individuals sought to stop a violent and unwell individual and then tried to save his life. Is it proportional? Yes. To subdue a man who is violent and then try to put him in the recovery position or literally put him in the recovery position to save his life is exactly what we'd expect people to do. Now, imagine on the train, this man was going for this woman to push her onto the subway tracks. Let's talk about how you'd respond to that. Do you have a right in this country You see a woman standing by the by the edge of the the subway platform and a man is walking towards her. You can't do anything. No one did anything violent. No one said any threats. You can do nothing. You can't walk up to that guy and put him in chokehold. He said nothing to no one. But in an instant, he murders that woman and then it's too late. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, I got to tell you, that is tough because I mean it sincerely. If a man is walking towards a woman, you can't just put him in a chokehold. And then, as we see in New York, he murdered her. AOC didn't care about this. AOC did not come out and say we must stop this violent crime. AOC tweets: Republicans keep blaming mass shootings on mental health, but then defend the killing of the mentally ill too. You see what they do? Do you see what what they do? AOC is implying that a mass shooter should be allowed to carry out the attack because they're unwell? This woman does not think through her positions. She is just evil. And I think she's maliciously evil. This, to me, perfectly exemplifies there is no logic in her thought process. There is simply, I will say what my side demands of me to say. So when you have two stories, a mass shooter and and uh, Jordan Neely, a violent, mentally unwell individual. Both are mentally unwell. AOC has to maintain both absurd positions. The mentally ill mass shooter was bad, and it's 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 guns that are problems, Republicans that are at fault. The mentally ill, belligerent man should not have been harmed. Should not have been killed. So AOC, let me ask you: If a mentally unwell Michael Jackson impersonator grabbed a gun, started walking towards a school. And that was it. Do you think someone has the right to put them in a chokehold and restrain them? Then after subduing them, place them in the recovery position. Do they have that right? Because according to AOC, they don't. They don't. I don't know where the line begins and ends with her because I don't think it does. And I think you see that very much so with the conversation we had with Lance from the serfs last week on Timcast IRL. It doesn't matter what's true. It matters what the talking point is. So as I mentioned earlier, again, not to reignite an abortion debate, but to use this as an example, the idea of forced birth. We hear things like that from the left, forced birth, transgenocide, trans, you think trans people don't exist. These don't mean anything. They may as well just say, uh, blippity, blop, blop, boop. And then it's gibberish, but it's a, it's a signal, meaning I'm on your side. First, I, 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 what does forced birth mean? A woman is pregnant. The baby is there. The baby must come out. That's it. And and, and no matter how many times I said, I, I'm pro-choice, he was just like, you're for forced birth. And I'm like, bro, that doesn't mean anything. The baby's there. It's got to come out, right? Tell me how you do it. We had Matt Bender on the show, another leftist. He said that you think trans people don't exist. I said, what, what does that mean? Like, what, what does that mean? Because I, I think trans people exist. I don't know why you're saying that. And He's just like, he had no answer. Literally no answer. And this is exactly the point. They're they're just mindless statements that don't mean anything that the left just says to each other. They say it to signal that they're also on the left. But if you're talking about logically solving problems, we have an issue. Do you subdue a violent, deranged uh, person or do you not? There were reports that in the 911 calls that somebody was armed. Could it have been Jordan Neely? I don't know. Perhaps not. I think they would have said that. But these are the issues. Jordan Neely on the train threatening to hurt people. He doesn't care if he goes to jail. OK. Should I operate under the assumption that this man is unarmed? Tell me, AOC, what should we do? Should we wait until they carry out the act? I read a passage from the Gulag Archipelago that explained there was uh, um, uh, uh, there was an individual who was threatened with a knife and I think he was stabbed. And then he killed the other person in response and was, it was sent to the gulag for it. And they, they they he said, what was I supposed to do? He was trying to kill me. He had a knife to me. And they said, you should have fled. Apparently, in the Soviet Union, you could only use a uh, lethal force against someone if they had already used lethal force on you. It's an insane prospect that we in this country would follow down this path where we must allow deranged psychopaths harm innocent people before we do anything. And then when that happens, AOC is still mad. It's insane. She says, "Watching media give the Brock Turner treatment for the killing of a homeless man has been nauseating. A person having a record does not excuse killing them, neither does being poor sick or homeless." Virtually every one of us is closer to being in Neely's shoes than we think. Our country criminalizes poverty and homelessness while making it impossible to afford rent on a minimum wage job. Our system is built for arresting the poor. When the wealthy break the law, they rarely get records. They can afford to be treated favorably. Most of us cannot. Is she implying that Daniel Penny, the 24 year old former Marine, is wealthy? Think about what the implication is here. Anarcho tyranny outright. Definitive anarcho tyranny. And now we have this from New York Magazine. They said that Jordan Neely was already dead. He was socially dead. Why defend a violent individual who is threatening people? I would love to see these pieces be written about a mass shooter. Yeah, you're not going to do it. Except maybe the one in Nashville, right? You're going to defend that person, the transgender shooter as a victim. You see the issue is for the left. They don't seem to have the ability to calculate things in advance. You you play a strategy game. You think ahead. You say, if I do this, what's the next thing that's going to happen and how do I respond to it? The left doesn't seem to have that. So you have one of two circumstances always. An individual is violent and harms people. It's the Republicans' fault. An individual threatening to harm people is subdued. This man should go to prison for hurting the innocent. You see, there's there's no way through that, right? There's nothing you can do. Let's say a man is walking towards Times Square and he's armed and he says, you know, I just can't take it anymore. I don't care if I go to jail. And then someone puts him in a chokehold and he dies. What's the left going to say to that? Honestly, I don't know. I imagine they would say, look, you guys are the Second Amendment ones. This guy should not have been killed. Oh, especially if it's a cop that doesn't. Imagine a guy's walking towards towards Times Square saying that he's going to hurt a lot of people and there's nothing you can do to stop him. He doesn't care if he goes to jail. And so the police try to stop him. He fights with cops and he dies. You know exactly what's going to happen. The left is going to come out. They're going to defend the violent psychopath. Now imagine if the cops just say, look, I'm not going to get involved. He's just talking. And then the guy pulls out a knife and starts seriously hurting people. Now they're going to blame the police and say the police don't do anything. There is no winning scenario here. This is anarcho-tyranny. And if that's how people in New York want to live, so be it. Daniel Penny releases a statement on Jordan Neely death. I think it was a fairly uh, bad statement. It said the law firm of Reiser and Kenneth represent Daniel Penny, a 24-year-old college student and Marine veteran. They mentioned earlier this week, we would like to express on behalf of Daniel Penny our condolences to those close to Mr. Neely. Neely had a documented history of violent and erratic behavior, the apparent result of ongoing untreated mental illness. For too long, the suffering, the mentally ill, blah, blah, blah. They say he had no intention of harming this man or killing him. I will not be surprised if Daniel Penny is indicted for first-degree murder. I may, okay, so, no, not first, second-degree. You know, I think first-degree in New York would be premeditation, but second-degree would be intentional killing, and they will get a jury, a grand jury, and they'll say he didn't have to hold and squeeze his neck like this. They'll find anything they can from Daniel Penny on social media saying something like someone's got to stop this crime or I can't, you know, you know, it's really funny. You could have Daniel Penny on Twitter tweeting something like these, these individuals are unwell and this mass shooting could have been stopped if someone just took, did what need to be done and stopped this man. Something like that, right? And they will use that to say he was intending to kill Jordan Neely. That makes it second degree murder. I do not see a New York grand jury acquitting this individual. And for that matter, Donald Trump even, because I think these people are terrified of what's happening. I think they're terrified the violent mob will come for them and come to their home. And I think that's the, uh, the unfortunate reality of this country until we get a massive pushback. Now, the Anheuser-Busch stuff is big news, and we've got big news pertaining to it, which I'll probably get into later today. Anheuser-Busch reeling and uh, disavowing not only Dylan Mulvaney, but the company they used now facing more boycotts. This is good. Regular people are saying, leave me alone. Fortunately, this was the easiest thing for him to do. But until these people stand up and tell Ocasio-Cortez that she's despicable and evil, until then, this past weekend I was in Miami. I went down to uh, uh, visit the Valuetainment studio and appear on the, on the Patrick Bet David podcast, which is an awesome show, by the way. He's a good dude. When I was down there, I had to visit Hard Rock Seminole, check out their poker room. And uh, something funny happened. I'll tell you this as an aside. Two important points in the story. A man to my left, uh, a woman to my right, a man across the table, the woman to my right mentioned she loves DeSantis. I said, he's great. She then mentioned Trump. I said, you know, trump, Trump's trump got his problems, but, you know, he does well. A man across the table said something about supporting DeSantis makes you lose. Because, uh, and then the woman laughs and says, the poker gods are not mad at me for supporting DeSantis. She then points to me and says that uh, I also like DeSantis. And he goes, yeah, well, not Trump though, right? And she goes, no, he likes Trump too. And I was like, yeah, I like Trump the man actually gets up and leaves the table. He was furious. Like, that's not true. That can't be possible. And he yells at me. That's one important element of the story. And the woman says to me, she's like, this is how crazy it's becoming. What does he want to ask you? I explained Donald Trump crossing the DMZ, the demilitarized zone into North Korea with no security detail, mattering a whole lot to me personally because of my family history and just a bold statement. And the man to my left said, yeah, that didn't happen. And I said, yes, it did. And he goes, where did you hear that? I'm like, I watched it on video. And he says, no, I, I don't believe that. I'm like, it happened on video. I watched it. He goes, You're sure? I'm like, yes, you can watch the video online. And he's like, okay, well, I, I believe you if you say you watched it. But that, that's the other important part of the story. He didn't know that. I don't blame him for not knowing that. But how many people don't know these things and don't want to believe it? This guy was a cool dude. He didn't like Fox News. He seemed fairly liberal or whatever, but uh, it, was, it was good. It was good playing with him. He seemed like a good guy. He knew a lot about Greek mythology. That was fun. We talked about uh, Sisyphus and Narcissist and Echo. <laughs> Interesting conversations to have at the poker table. But he didn't know that Trump did that. You take a look at stories like this and you say, how many of these people in New York just don't know and will blindly march like lemmings off the cliff? Well, don't drag me with you. That's why I don't live in your city anymore. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.
2: Hollywood is under siege, covertly compromised by a global adversary. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream to the world is now making nightmares a reality. The American way of life is being censored by the Chinese Communist Party. Some films have scenes completely altered. Other films have lost their funding or been canceled altogether. Some actors have been banned from China for supporting human rights. That's HollywoodTakeover.com slash T-I-M.
0: It would probably be insufficient to say that the boycott on Bud Light is working. Because it's doing a whole lot more than just working. It is probably the most successful thing the right has done in the culture war, period, at all. And I don't even know if they can top this, but uh, hopefully so, hopefully so. You see, right now, Donald Trump is weighing in on the whole controversy, basically saying, get woke, go broke. And at the same time that we're seeing Bud Light sales drop between 21 and 26%, some saying volume is, even, is down maybe even 34% at restaurants, ladies and gentlemen, gay bars are starting to boycott Bud Light, too. Amazing. You know what's really funny is uh, last week we had Lance from the Surfs on the show. I thought it was a fun show despite our disagreements. Thought it was funny. And he said he was happy that Bud Light was being boycotted by the right because Anheuser-Busch funds anti LGBTQ initiatives and funds Republicans. And I'm just like, so we're all in agreement. Great. I don't care. I don't like the Republican Party. I care about cultural issues and Bud Light sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney to me is not about LGBTQ issues. It is about algorithmic destruction. You guys know I talk about this quite a bit. I don't think Dylan Mulvaney is trans. I think the left will blindly support anything that looks like something on their side to the point where they're destroying themselves. But I think Anheuser-Busch refusing to apologize outright. They deserve this. Anheuser-Busch deserves this because they came out and gave this garbage statement and now they lose everyone good, good. They think that they can insult people like us, not apologize, spend money on marketing, Put some people on leave, clearly sending signals. They know they screwed up. They won't just say it. OK, congratulations, anheuser Bush. You've done just enough to piss all of us off and piss off all of the LGBTQ people. So now their bars are boycotting your beer. How amazing would it be if Bud Light just becomes an afterthought and loses its position as the world's top beer? I think it's the world's top beer, right? I could be wrong. But uh, it's up there, especially in the United States. It'd be amazing. But let's read this news, and I'll tell you what Donald Trump is saying and why gay bars are starting to boycott Bud Light. But before we do, this video is sponsored by Cast Brew Coffee. That's right, Cast Brew Coffee. Go to castbrew.com, pick up your coffee. That's our company. We launched Cast Brew. We're launching coffee shops. And with the success of this new business venture, we are going to make a coffee franchise that cares about American values and is not scared to talk about what needs to be talked about. We're not launching a business hoping to attract every single person in the world. We're just trying to sell coffee and stick to our values. That means when we do have thousands of locations all across the country selling this delicious gas brew coffee, when it comes to political controversy, we will just say it. Well, I won't dance around the issues. I won't ignore the issues. I want not just fire. I-, I will absolutely say, here's what we did and why we did it. Okay? That's the truth. You want to support us? You want to support this video? You want to support our work? Go to castbrew.com. Pick up your Rise with Roberto Jr. breakfast blend. And with every purchase of Rise with Roberto Jr., you get a picture of Roberto Jr. right there on the back. He's our rooster. We also have Appalachian Nights, a dark blend, Roberto Jr.'s, a light blend. And we have Colombian and French Roast available. You can subscribe to get these automatically delivered to you. Support companies that don't hate you. They may hate all of us, but I certainly don't hate you. In fact, I am eternally grateful for all of your support. Hopefully working together on these ventures, we can create a parallel economy and push back on garbage companies like Anheuser-Busch. But here's the news from... The the official source for all things LGBTQ plus, they say LGBTQ plus venues are ditching Bud Light over claims its parent company abandoned trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney. anheuser Bush, the company that owns Unbite, has been targeted target of a backlash. Yeah, 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 we get it. The bigots were furious. Oh, the bigots. I just I just I love this. It's like a wolf can walk into a field of sheep. Put on a wolf hat. I'm sorry, a sheep hat, and then be like, look at all those really bad people over there. And the sheep just follow. It's, a, it's unfortunate. You know, my opinion of Dylan Mulvaney, I don't think Dylan's trans. I really don't. I think Dylan is a caricature of trans as a performance. And it makes it much, much harder to actually deal with these sensitive political issues. Let's read more. They say they smashed shelves, threatened Bud Light with bomb threats. Kid Rock even filmed himself shooting a case of Bud Light. So we know all of this. They go to mention that um, anheuser Bush basically said he never wanted to be part of this discussion, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Sidetrack Bar shared its plan to boycott the beer on Instagram. It said the company's move to distance itself from Mulvaney strongly brings into question their support of the LGBTQ plus community. I love it because Anheuser-Busch was like, we never sponsored this person. It was a third party agency. By the way, they canned the third party agency. It's a third party agency. It was one can. What do we do? You reap what you sow. These woke companies are walking y'all off a cliff. Here's what sidetrack bar had to say. Oh, boy. For 41 years, Sidetrack has encouraged liquor and beer companies to ha- that have wished to garner the LGBTQ plus customer base to actively support our community. For many years, there were very few companies that were willing to risk this sort of exposure. Sidetrack appreciates the relationship that it developed with the brands that support us. This support helps to fund initiatives to pass city and statewide human rights ordinances in Chicago, Illinois in, and Illinois to include the LGBTQ plus community. Sidetrack continues to be to be encouraged by the increase in support from brands to the LGBTQ plus community over the last four decades in the country, support has increased. However, we must also hold brands accountable if they take active steps against equality, visibility, and safety. Bud Light's recent decision to drop the Dylan Mulvaney campaign, to put on leave those who created it, as well as the statements by its CEO wrongfully validates the position. That it is acceptable to acquiesce to the demands of those who do not support the trans community and wish to erase LGBTQ+ plus visibility. In light of this, Sidetrack will cease the sale of Anheuser-Busch products, including Bud, Bud Light, and Goose Island 312. Goose Island, of course, is headqu- i believe they're headquartered in Chicago. It could be wrong, but big presence in Chicago, and uh, good. Don't sell it until Anheuser-Busch can clearly demonstrate that they will not acquiesce to the voices of hate that wish to erase LGBTQ plus existence. Sidetrack will continue to boycott their products. Until then, Sidetrack will continue to partner with brands that do give back. Blah, 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 blah. They also have this Two Bears Tavern uptown. I'm not going to read the whole statement, but basically saying the exact same thing. And now I want to put it like this. Good for you, Anheuser-Busch. Support a political cause. Do it. I don't care. You know why? Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Jeremy Boring of The Daily Wire is probably already having meetings discussing with his team how to launch a beer company. Because every single time one of these major corporations decides to get woke, they create a hole in the market and and people are going to get rich. And I got to tell you, to be completely honest, the least profitable thing we've ever done, cast brew coffee. Um, Smells really good, by the way. The least profitable thing. Doing media is easy. The overhead is very, very low. I read the news. I make a video. I complain about things, tell you how I feel about things. You guys watch. There's ads. There's membership subscription. Go to TimCast.com, become a member. And for the most part, it allows us to invest heavily in doing other things. So when we launched Cast Brew Coffee, it's very small to begin with. We have four uh, products available. We're building a coffee shop right now. It costs a lot of money. Tens of thousands of dollars, and the profit margins are slim. We have to reinvest those profits to expand the company, and the challenge is we don't make enough to do so. If we, were, if we didn't have this show, if I wasn't making money from this show, I'd be getting bank loans desperately trying to get a coffee company off the ground. It is very hard to do. My point here with all of this is that when it comes to products like Anheuser-Busch, they have massive overhead. They, their decision to engage in politics. It's hurting their brand. But you know what? We're gonna start from a different a different point. We're starting from the you know what? By all means, be ideological. Good for you. Good for you. You do it. You do it with my blessing. We're gonna launch Casper Coffee. We're gonna launch these coffee shops, and we are going to be overt and explicit in our ideology. We support American values. We are not in favor of what they're doing with grooming these kids. We reject that. We're gonna put Molan Labe on the walls and in the windows. And when we have a coffee shop in every little suburban area of this country, and some woman walks in to get her cold brew with a little bit with a splash of cream, and while she's waiting for her blueberry muffin to be warmed up, she will look up at the TVs on the wall and it will be the Patrick Bet David podcast. It will be Steven Crowder. It will be Timcast IRL. These will be the shows that are running in the background. So when people are sitting there, that's what they're going to see real conversations and real news. And that's how you win a culture war. And you know what? They will be angry, leftists screaming, and crying, but we've never catered to them in the first place, so we don't care. You see, here's what Anheuser-Busch did. Anheuser-Busch sold beer. Good for them. They sold beer and then one day said, hey, how do we sell beer to the LGBTQ plus community? Well, guess what? Like any other human being, you didn't have to do anything. You just had to sell beer. Instead, they said, let's directly support the politics of a political group. Well, now you are reaping what you have sown. Anheuser-Busch choosing to play politics results in a in a crash across the board. So we're not going to play that game. We're starting from the ground up, purely ideological, purely For the longest time, I said, and a lot of people still say this, nobody wants politics in their coffee or sports or beer or sandwiches. They just want to eat a sandwich. No, I'm done. I'm over it. We're going to start a company. We're going to say America's great. And if people don't want to buy America's great, well, then good. They don't have to buy it. But you know, we're going to win. We're going to succeed. And we're going to start undercutting corporate competitors. My dream to have a coffee shop next to every Starbucks with better pricing, with better wages, with real values. So you don't got to worry about woke garbage. I don't think Starbucks is the worst company in terms of wokeness. But remember when they caved that bathroom thing, and it resulted in rampant drug use and the disgusting nature of their bathrooms just went insane? Yeah, don't play those games. I won't. Now we're going to start making these, these these shops, and we're going to be explicit. All right, like we love America. This is the best country ever in the history of the world. We have a lot of problems. We're not idiots. But we know that this country is the best. And me, I've been around the world. I've seen a lot of countries, several dozen. I think I've been to like 34 or some odd countries. Certainly not all of the countries on the planet, but I've seen a lot. And I, every time I come back, I say, man, America really is awesome. And that's something worth fighting for and preserving. And I think you all agree. So we're going we're gonna to push back. And you know who, you know who else is speaking up about this? Donald Trump. Newsweek says Donald Trump breaks silence on Bud Light Controversy. Former President Donald Trump on Sunday broke his silence on the Bud Light boycott, writing in, social, in a social media post that the beer maker's loss in sales shows that money does talk. Oh boy. The MAGA leader made the jab on his truth social platform while praising a new book that calls to defund leftist woke companies. Trump has been uncharacteristically silent amid the ongoing controversy over the popular beer brand's decision. Well, you know, don't we get it? We get it. We get it. Here's what Trump said It's time to beat the radical left at their own game. Money does talk. Anheuser-Busch now understands that. Great new book by Wayne Allen Root. Buy your copy today, he said on Truth Social. Trump's comment references the news that Bud Light sales dropped multiple weeks, 21% for the week ending April 21st. Uh, uh, you, you know, I just I just want to hold on there a minute. So um, the week ending April 21st, my friends, that's over two weeks ago. That means new sales data will be dropping, and we'll see. I would not be surprised to hear that shares of Bud Light had fallen week over week a lower number, because you can only lose so many customers, right? But here we are looking at year over year. If the year over year data shows a continued decline, well, then it's working. But truth be told. If the year over year sales show that it's actually uh, the decline is, is reversing, then it looks like many people are abandoning their Bud Light boycott. But I don't believe it because not drinking Bud Light
3: is the easiest thing in the world to do.
0: we were in Miami recently because I mentioned I was uh, uh, visiting the Valuetainment crew and going on the Pat- Patrick Bet David podcast, the Valuetainment podcast. And um, we go out to to drink and celebrate. Not a single person's going to buy anything related to Anheuser-Busch. We don't think twice. It was not difficult. It was an afterthought. It was like, let's grab beer, not the Bud Light. Let's get the Yingling. Yingling's delicious, by the way, though I'm not a big drinker. I did partake in a Yingling. You see, here we go. You know Now, just to spite Bud Light, I've started drinking just so I could drink something else. I've actually had more booze in the past like three weeks than I've had in the past decade. For real. Wow. I've had like three drinks. That's a lot. Many of those expressed disappointment in Trump for staying mum on the controversial issue. Hey, we, we, we get it. We get it. We get it, though, right? They say uh, Trump's most recent page disclosures filed with the FEC and shared online shows that he owns between $1 million and $5 million in Anheuser-Busch Bev. Okay, Trump, you really going to hold on to all of that? I think it'd be wise that he sold, but I'm not here to give anybody financial advice. I'm just saying it's surprising that he would speak out against this, yet at the same time, still hold up to $5 million in stock with the company. The New York Post says Anheuser-Busch cans third party ad agency tied to Dylan Mulvaney fiasco. Uh, well, there you go. They said it was one camp, one influencer, one post, not a campaign, blah, blah, blah. Okay, sure. Right. Well, whatever we got. it. This is just a lot of news, a lot of news. Here we go. Bud Light parent company to help distributors amid Mulvaney controversy. I just I show you these because I want you to see the flames of the dumpster fire. That is Anheuser-Busch's inability to apologize. It's your fault. Apologize. I think it's too late, though, at this point. I hope every single leftist boycotts Anheuser-Busch. I hope conservatives keep up the boycott. And I hope the company just implodes completely. And I got to be honest, I'd be very happy to see it completely crumble. Now, the narrative coming out of the executive from the executives over at Anheuser-Busch, apparently, is that here's what they say. In the first three weeks of April, sales of Bud Light dropped the equivalent of one percent of the company's overall global volume for that period. For the week ending April 22nd, Bud Light sales in retail stores, fell 21.4% compared to a year ago, whereas rival brands Coors and Miller were up by 21%, according to an analysis of Nielsen data by Bump Williams Consulting. That's the narrative that the corporate, the, the, the corporate execs are going with. It's less than 1%, about 1% of global sales. It means nothing. You've got nothing to worry about, except for the fact that the company is now stagnant, slightly down in their stock. They were growing they had an amazing past several months. And then all of a sudden. Just drops down. And I wonder why it is that uh, Morson Coors is going. Uh, was it Molson? Mol- Molson Coors, Coors is, is going up. Sales are up. Stock is up. Yo, the investors should be revolting. They should be saying. You have cost us how much money that and again, not financial advice. I'm just saying if somebody did have, say, 100 shares in Anheuser-Busch, and right when this started, sold it all and bought cores instead, they would have made 20%. 20%. Isn't that amazing? Let's say you put a million bucks and you're talking $200,000. Now think about where that could have been if Anheuser-Busch did not decide to get woke and go broke. You're down a little bit. Mostly stagnant, but down. And the problem still, it may only get worse because now that we're hearing that LGBTQ plus institutions are boycotting Bud Light, I imagine that will actually spread. The left is turning up the heat will be Goldberg said in The View. Don't let them scare you. Let us scare you. You know, the funny thing is I'm not here to scare you, Bud Light. I'm here to tell you the truth. I will never buy your beer. We had we've bought it before. We've had events where we, we grab Bud Light. It was the beer to grab. Because we're not talking about people cracking open an old English or, or, or sipping and enjoying a good, robust beer. We were like having a barbecue and I was like, we'll grab some beers. And so we were just like, you know, like, you know, grab some Bud Light or something. Modelo. Typically we get Modelo. Now I'm not going to buy either of them. Now it's just going to be yingling all the, way, uh, all the way down. They had an opportunity, Bud Light, to just stay out of it. But now they've decided that they're going to get boycotts from both directions. And I don't think there's anything to do. I don't think there's anything they can do. Because at this point, if they came out with an apology, I wouldn't accept it. And I really, really do hope that more LGBTQ plus bars start boycotting Anheuser-Busch as well, because that just means you get woke, you go broke. You know why? The first thing that'll happen is the right will say, we're done with your product. The next thing that will happen is no matter what you do, no matter what you've done, the left will wash you away. So when they talk about all the good that Bud Light did for them politically, which is weird anyway, that was all for nothing. All for nothing. Did anheuser Bush come out and insult Dylan Mulvaney? It wasn't us. I mean, that was a third party company that did that. And that was enough to trigger the left. This works out perfectly for the culture war right. Because the left, once again, is unreasonable. There's nothing you can do. And at this point, you know, maybe I'll say this. OK, you know what, anheuser Bush, if you apologize for sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney, I will buy your beer. You know, I said last week, I don't think an apology would cut it anymore. But now that the left is boycotting you, I want to I want to let you know that we are reasonable people. And if you say we're sorry for this whole thing, we're sorry for for this campaign with Dylan Mulvaney. We're sorry for the one can. We're sorry for all of it. We did not realize we weren't even thinking It won't happen again. I will go out in the immediate. I will buy 10 cases of Bud Light. 10 of them. If you apologize. Now, you do realize that means a lot of the LGBTQ plus bars will probably boycott you. So make your pick. Make your pick. You've lost 21% in sales. You can get it back if you apologize. Now, I can't speak for all of the people who stopped buying your beer. But I can tell you that if you do apologize, I will do my best to advocate on your behalf. Apologize to us. Tell us you won't do it again, and then we will purchase your beer, right? You're being boycotted by both. Let me extend the olive branch and say, you know what? Come on back. Come back over here. Let those people boycott you. And you know what? When you do, more of them will. But here's the thing. They're unreasonable people. Even if you did all of that work on their behalf, they would still throw you in the toilet the moment it became convenient. But for everybody else, for all the little people who are listening, Good job. Seriously. And if you want to support us and you want to help create that ecosystem, castbrewcoffee.com. I'll tell you why. This is exactly why we launched something like Castbrew. We've had sponsors. Sponsors get pressured from the left and then cancel you. And they'll say, look, we really don't want to be involved in whatever it is you're accused of doing. It's like nothing. They made that up. Well, you know, I don't know about all that. So, okay, fine. Now, to be honest, we haven't really had that issue because we don't really have that many sponsors. I was very uh, very particular in who I would allow to sponsor these shows. And so um, seeing what's happened to many others and seeing these activist tactics of getting ads pulled, I said, we'll make our own company. You know what we're going to do? We'll make our own company. And here's what we'll do. Cast Brew, we're going to start sponsoring other channels and we're going to pay a premium rate so that other prominent creators that we like will start advocating for our brand. And we will tell you outright that we believe in America, we believe in you, and we want this country to be better. And we're not going to hide, we're not going to shy away. And then my dream, hopefully, in 10 years, 1,000 locations all across this country, 1,000. We'll start with our own brick and mortar corporate locations, we'll start franchising out, y'all will open your own, and these are are stores that will stand for American values. There's the dream, let's get it. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. A sign of the utmost cultural decay. Payouts of up to $1.2 million for every black resident approved by California Reparations Panel. That's right. It'll probably never happen. Maybe it will. But it seems like California is on track to pay reparations of up to $1.2 million. Despite the fact that the cities are falling apart, the state is in a constant state of decay and people are fleeing like crazy. They're just like, I don't know, let's just give everybody $1.2 million. A state that was never a slave state, people who were never slaves, and people who never owned slaves, all paying this. Why? Well, look, there's a, there's a there's more in-depth conversation to be had about why they want to pay reparations because there were civil rights issues after slavery. It's not like the reparations are only for slavery. If you read into it, it's also about segregation and other unjust policies that existed in this country when California was a state. And we view those things as abhorrent, as bad things. We've got rid of those things. But this isn't solving any problems. This is short term thinking because the Democratic Party is all about what can we do to get votes today? That's it what they do tomorrow is of little consequence so long as what they do tomorrow results in more votes tomorrow you see what i'm saying instead of thinking about what can we do today that will improve the next 5 years they say what action today will get people to just vote for me or will increase my polls then when it comes to the next election tomorrow instead of saying what can we do to fix that problem we never did they'll say what can i do to get votes today in turn you end up with feces all over the streets poverty crime and a mass exodus. Here's the story from the post-millennial. On Saturday, the California Operations Task Force voted on the final set of recommendations to send to the state's legislatures, formally recommending that the state pays up to $1.2 million to every qualifying black resident. You know, I got another story I want to show you. I want to show you what's going on in Portland after we wrap up this one, where They're trying to pass this law to allow homeless encampments everywhere. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com Using the code pool at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees dot com code pool. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. We've got to be cognizant of what policies lead to this and what the Democrats do. And let's read more. But before we do, my friends, we get a sponsor today. Virtual Shield. Head over to surfinginternetsafe.com. If you want to browse the web and be safe and secure as you do so, it's a basic layer of security for you as you browse the web. It's a virtual private network service. It works very simply. Go to surfinginternetsafe.com. You will get 73% off. Download the app. Click go. Easy as pie. Now, when you are online Hackers, corporations, governments will have a much, much harder time, and some even won't even be able to track, sell, or manipulate your data. It's a basic layer of security, and I always say we don't expect people to break into our houses, but we do lock our doors and window. If you want a basic layer of security, go to surfinginternetsafe.com. Special shout-out to Virtual Shield. We have very few sponsors, if any, ever, but they've been with us from the beginning. So we are grateful for their support. Again, surfinginternetsafe.com. You'll get 73% off your virtual private network service, and it works on all devices. So special thank you to uh, Virtual Shield. Let's get back to the news and read. During the task task force's public meeting in Oakland, the nine-member panel called on the state to give black residents a formal apology, as well as the payments, according to Fox News. California entered the union as a free state, and slavery was never legal under state law. Quote, Reparations are not only morally justifiable, but they have the potential to address longstanding racial disparities and inequalities, said Representative Barbara Lee after attending the meeting. Payments received by black residents would be broken down into types of historical discrimination, with black residents affected by bank redlining, for example, receiving $3,366 for each year they lived in California between the years of 1930 to the late 1970s, adding up to $148,009. For those living in California between 1970 and 2020 that were affected by over-policing, oh, this one's funny, uh, we'll get up to 115,000 in total. A black Californian around the age of 71 that has lived in the state for their entire life could receive up to $1.2 million. It is a fact that giving money to people does not solve their problems. I had a conversation with Vivek Ramaswamy. And I said, why is it there are so many wealthy people in the culture war or pretending to be who aren't investing in the culture war to win? I said, certainly not you. It was almost like Vivek was like, excuse me, I'm standing right here. And I'm like, no, 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 we understand that you do have people like Vivek worth, what, half a billion running for president, starting an anti-ESG, uh, 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 was it, venture capital financing, funding, um, finance. And I think he's doing a fantastic job. But there are so many people who aren't who aren't investing that money into culture war issues. That I just don't understand. On the left, they're just throwing money at whoever they want. But the reason why I bring up the culture war issues is that Vivek said something really uh, uh, smart. He said, it's it's not money. That's not the issue. It's people. He's right. You could take all the money in the world and you can give it to a random person. They're not going to build a nuclear submarine. And one of the challenges we've had with Timcast is just managerial personnel, hiring people who are adamant they're the right person and then they're not the right person. It's just not that easy. Not everybody can pull it off. And the reality is in a country like the United States where there is a strong meritocratic system, albeit not perfect because we're going very lefty, people of means and talent and people of no means but have talent and hard work and perseverance should be able to rise above the rest. Simply being rich and saying, all right, this person likes what I like. So here's money. Make it work. It doesn't work that way. There's no guarantee the work they will do will result in anything fruitful. And therein lies the big challenge with all of this. Now, as, as, that's kind of the point I'm trying to make when it comes to reparations. You give $1.2 million to somebody, there's no guarantee that's going to do anything functional. It may just get burned up instantly. They're going to buy a bunch of stuff. They'll be happy. It'll probably alleviate a bunch of stress and debt and bills. That's cool. I get it. But is it going to create long standing understanding? No. They say wealth lasts three generations in this country the person who earns the wealth, their child who inherits it, and the grandchild who inherits all of it without learning a single lesson from the grandparent, and then it's gone. It's not absolute. You know, once you get to a certain level of wealth, you just live off interest and investment. You don't got to do anything. It's kind of crazy. But for the most part, People who don't work for the money and earn it don't know how to maintain that system. And so it falls apart, they say, after three generations. You take a look at what's happening in California. Let me give you a glimpse of what's happening in Portland. New images of cities homeless show encampments taking over as fed up residents wake up to tents on their lawns, drug dealers in every corner, and woke lawmakers pushing to decriminalize the camps. Interestingly, I don't know how it is legal to say you can't sleep on the sidewalk. We are dealing with with situations as a result of, I, I suppose, things we could not predict. There's always been bombs. There's always been homeless people. But in small villages and smaller towns, when you didn't have millions of people everywhere, it's not that big of a deal. You can handle 1% of your population being homeless. You live in a town of 1,000 people, and you got, what, 10 homeless people? Well, you know, they're, they're wandering around. They're over by the trees, and it is a problem, I guess. You got 100 people in your little village. One person's homeless. We can help take care of that person. What what happens when you have a million people and you're dealing with 10,000 homeless people and now you're starting to get a problem because 10,000 people, they're going to clutter up specific areas. They're going to crowd around each other. You're probably going to see an increase in crime. It's the same percentage of homeless, but it's harder to manage unless we have like a proportional amount of people as police officers, but then taxes go nuts. This is what you will get if you allow policies like what the Democrats are enacting. It's sad. I feel bad for these people. It sucks. It's kind of crazy. This is what has become of, uh, of so many of our great cities. But while all of this is going on, granted, that's Portland. That's not California. California is dealing with the same problems in San Francisco, for instance. This is how they want to spend their money. Give, give, the, give the money to people based on race. That'll solve the problem. It won't. To be fair, California does have one disadvantage in the fact that the weather's nice. So if you're going to be homeless anywhere, you want to be homeless there. That attracts people. But I tell you, when California comes out and says they're going to give money away for free for various social programs, it ain't the weather that's causing people to come to California if they're homeless. It's the free food, the free money, and the free shelter. Not always, but you can get a tent, you can sleep outside, and you don't got to worry about anything. Your bills are taken care of. There was one northern Californian uh, jurisdiction, a town, I believe, that said if you do receive government assistance, then they have dominion over you or something like if you were homeless, they could take your money because you're incapable of taking care of yourself. The only thing I can say is this will get worse as evidenced by the fact that Democrats don't care about the solutions and literally just want to give away money. If you live in these cities, they will take your money in the form of taxes and they will give it away to someone based on race and they will not solve for your city's problems. The problems you're experiencing with crime will get worse. They'll defund your police. And, well, what can I say? At this point, if you choose to live there, what can I say? I have people come to me and they say, Hey, Tim, there's someone in this town who needs help because some unjust thing happened. And I'm like, Dude, sorry, man. After like the hundredth request of helping raise money for somebody, I'm just like, I can't do it. I can't come on the show every single day and say, here's another person who was unjustly targeted by the government who needs help. Can't. It would be impossible. The most effective thing to do is just say, get out of these cities. Save yourselves. Because it's only going to get worse. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. All right, let's bring it on. Jake Shields says that uh, he wants to fight trans men. Uh, let me break the story down for you. But Mac Bags, a biological female and trans man, has seemingly accepted the challenge. And the degree of absurdity here, I just, wow. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jake Shields is an MMA fighter. And uh, let me start from the beginning so you can understand this. I really don't believe this fight would happen because if it did if it did happen, it would be over in probably 10 seconds. No question. <clears throat> let me read this. Let me let me read this news from you from the postmillennial. And then we'll talk about the absurdity of the leftist ideology as it pertains to biological sex and men competing in women's sports. Because this exemplifies it perfectly. From the postmillennial, trans-identified female MMA fighter. Accepts challenge to fight male UFC champion. I don't know that Mac Beggs is an MMA fighter. I suppose I could be wrong, but I thought Beggs was a wrestler. Mac Beggs has accepted former UFC fighter Jake Shields challenge to a fight, according to OutKick. Beggs accepted the offer in a now-deleted Instagram post and said, I'm specifically going to F you up Jake Shields. Uh, You're not. It's not going to happen. Okay, like, you know, no beef, just... No, let me read more. On April 20th, Shields challenged the 10 toughest trans men in the world to a fight. After five hours, the post had over a million views, but still no challengers. Shields said, I fight them with no training camp and no rest between each fight. I got to be honest, no rest between each fight. That's a bold statement because fighting 10 people of like any stature with no rest, I But I mean, it's entirely I I don't know, man. Look, I I recognize that Jake Shields would probably win every one of those fights, but 10 of them back to back with no rest. Maybe. Beggs said in a statement, we are just going to make this an official call out. But Jake Shields, I will take you up on your offer. But the offer isn't going to be 10 versus one and 10 trans men you're going to be fighting for the rest of the night. Beggs continued. "Okay, you're going to do it right. If you're going to call yourself a fighter, do it effing right. Like, that's just effing disrespectful. It's disrespectful to the sport of MMA for you to just be like, oh, yeah, let me just call out 10 trans men and I'll effing whoop them. It's the fact that y'all are so fixated and hyper fixated and have some effing fetish with trans women that you even forget that we, we effing out here and we're going to eff you up. Shields responded to the news on Twitter saying, my offer is legit, so have they them contact me and they can start putting together their team. Shields posted a picture of Beggs and said, this thing thinks it can beat me in a fight. I don't see any reason to bring it to that level, man. You know, you know. one of the issues I take with the whole Mac Beggs controversy, let's go back in time five years. Mac Beggs is biologically female. Mac Beggs wanted to compete against males. I believe if a female wants to compete against males, they should be allowed to do it if they want. Not the other way around. If the, if the females agree, I, I mean, right? Like, I, I think if a female wants to enter the males division, like, okay, like, see how far you can get. If the male want to, wants to enter a female division, no, sorry, we don't we don't go in that direction. Mac Beggs had photos posted by conservatives all the time saying, like, we shouldn't let men f- fight women. And it's like, dude, Mac Beggs is female. Female! Mac Beggs wants to compete against males. And so they got all that wrong. I don't think we need to take it to this this thing uh, territory, but uh, let's, let's read more. Beggs is a biological female who made headlines in 2017 for winning a state wrestling championship in the girls' division, while taking testosterone. Beggs was also featured on ESPN's 30 for 30 to discuss the controversies surrounding competing in the girls' division after Beggs was denied entry to compete in the boys' division due to state law. Shields is a former UFC fighter who hasn't fought professionally since he lost to Ray Cooper III in October of 2018. And he's, uh, he's, is he 44? I don't know if Jake Shields genuinely wants to step back into the into the ring, into the octagon or whatever, and start fighting. But this is something different. This is something different. Mac Beggs, I just want to say, you should probably just come out and apologize. Not, not in the sense that you, can, you have to agree with Jake Shields' political opinions or anything like that, but maybe be like, yeah, I shouldn't come out and say F, 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 you know, F this, F that, I'm going to F you up and stuff like that. You shouldn't do that. Um, Jake Shields should not refer to Mac Beggs as a thing. I think you know we got to, we got to tone things down a little bit. But the thing about Mag bags, you're never fighting you're never winning a fight against Jake Shields. I just sorry. You know, th- to be honest though, if like if this fight were to happen and Vegas gave odds, I would bet on Mag Bags.
3: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell.
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com.
3: Play for free right
0: now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void rep prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I mean it. And I gave that little pause for suspense. You know why I would bet on MagBags? It has nothing to do with who I think is going to win. It has everything to do with the value proposition of the bet. If I can put up one dollar to win ten grand, I'm gonna take it. Wouldn't you? Who cares? The dollar, you could win ten grand. Now, I probably just would lose the dollar, but hey, you know, I don't know. It's a dollar. It's 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 like I could buy a cheeseburger, or I could say I got a one in, you know, a million chance of winning ten bucks, <laughs> winning or I'm sorry, ten thousand dollars. Let me show you why Mac will never win. This is from Life University, Life University Athletics. Mac Beggs, the uh, wrestler's roster, I believe this is, uh, yeah, Mac Beggs is a wrestling roster. 2018 to 2019, five foot two, one hundred 125 pounds. Why, why would that not be the case? You see, This is the thing people need to understand. Trans men are biological females who have taken testosterone. Their female bodies exhibit secondary sexual characteristics of males, but they do not have male bodies. They have female bodies in the 20 uh, 2020 to 2020 to uh, 2021 year. Mag still five foot to 125 pounds. Jake Shields is six foot. Oh, 170 pounds. Uh, welterweight middleweight. I'm sorry. OK, we do not put a six foot tall, 170 pound biological male in the ring with a five foot two biological female. Who weighs 125 pounds? We have divisions for this reason. I don't know how much people really wanna watch a fight between the heavyweight champion of the world and like the featherweight champion. It might be interesting. There might be some interesting dynamics I don't quite understand. Probably, I'm not, I'm not a fight guy. But I just gotta say, I'm gonna go ahead and say that if you want free money, you put your money down on Jake Shields. I'm being, uh, 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 I'm speaking hypothetically, of course. No financial advice. I'm just saying, if that fight ever were to happen, maybe the smartest thing to do is take 100 bucks and put it on Jake Shields because you get a free dollar. Guaranteed free dollar. I mean, maybe it'll be $0.10 because I don't even know if, if Vegas would be willing to cover any losses from uh, uh, MAG bags. But, you know, basically the way it'll work is everybody's going to put money up and then that money <laughs> is what's used to cover, you know, the, the inverse. But let's just be real. If you bet money on Jake Shields for every dollar, you probably win less than a penny, a tenth of a penny, if that. Because I don't think anybody genuinely believes that a six foot zero, 170 pound MMA fighter is going to lose a fight to a five foot two, 125 pound biological female. Now, this female, Mac Beggs, strong, good training, probably, still. Even with testosterone, Jake's got more fast-twitch muscle, more bone uh, density, more skin collagen. That's just it. Fast-twitch muscle means massive striking power, bigger joints. Jake Shields will probably just one shot in the ring. That's why when when, when Jake Shields says back-to-back back, 10 of the toughest, toughest trans men with no rest, it's because the likelihood is that Jake Shields with reach— with height is going to go one hit and they're down. And he can easily make 10 hits. Now, some people might, you know, oh, you know, you're, you're crazy, Tim. Yeah. Grappling. You know, if with, with Mac Beggs being a wrestler, maybe Mac Beggs gets in there and gets a submission, Shields is down. But I got to be honest, too. Does Mac Beggs have the muscular strength to actually put Jake Shields in a submission? It's possible. Legs, around the neck, who knows? I don't know. Arm bar. Again, not a big fighting person, but we're talking about a dude with 33 MMA wins, three by knockout, 12 by uh, submission, 18 by decision, 18 losses, knocked out four times. I don't see this guy as a six foot old dude going up against other six foot old dudes with a very good record as losing. The times they are changing, my friends, because we got some more news. I don't think it'll happen, but hey. Three time Olympian women cyclist Inga Thompson has called for a boycott saying women should take a knee when the race starts. I agree. I agree. When biological males compete against females, the females should just do nothing. You're running a sprint, a race, swim, get on the stand or whatever you're like, you got your you're, you're in, in the start position, ready, set, go, bang. None of the women run. Let the man run by himself. Do nothing. One time that happens and you will see this shift. I know for a fact because I've actually seen the power of boycotts. But you know, the thing is, women are agreeable. I'm not saying to be derisive. But the story is back at the uh, at the X Games in like 2005, female pro skaters were getting paid something like 10 percent of what the males got paid when it came to prize money. The argument from Disney was that nobody buys tickets to these events. So the money is based on, on the ticket sales. The response from the women's league division, the, the, the NPO, was that it doesn't matter if you can't sell tickets. That's your problem. If you want the top athletes in the world, you pay the same rate for the top athletes. You can't just say women don't sell. You got to sell the tickets. That's your that's your problem. I actually kind of agree with that because there are women who are who are uh, sponsored by big companies and they sell products. What ends up happening is the women don't show up for a, for a press conference. The boycott works. Pay increases. If these women just said no, there you go. But we'll see what happens. I really don't. Th- I think Matt Beggs deleted the post because they don't want to fight Jake Shields. Or maybe it was just, I don't know, after 24 hours, I got deleted. We'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. What you are seeing. On your screen right now, for those that are watching on YouTube, is a woman who has had, had such extensive and extreme plastic surgery, she requires a mobility scooter to get around. The surgery is to amplify sexual characteristics of her body so that she can make money on OnlyFans, or maybe because she's just obsessed and has an identity disorder. For those that are listening, I'll just describe the image. Her lips are massively oversized. She has a nose job and probably some kind of facial surgery. Her breasts, I believe, weigh around 20 pounds each and are uh, obviously fake and don't look like they're part of her body. Her hips are extremely wide and she's in a wheelchair. The reason why I highlight this is this, to me, is the exact same thing as Dylan Mulvaney And I think this exemplifies and explains my point about Dylan Mulvaney very, very well. But let me explain. Let me start with the story from the Daily Mail. They say the deadly impact of OnlyFans. Plastic Surgeon warns how X-rated website is pushing more women to undergo dangerous over-the-top procedures in a desperate attempt to turn unrealistic online fantasy into a reality. There's no denying more people are turning to social media to make a living. More people are looking to stand out, turning to extreme plastic surgery. A New York plastic surgeon said he was seeing people's uh, certainly pushing the envelope. Perhaps you can argue this woman and another woman, this this woman right here who was a Kim Kardashian lookalike. She she died, by the way, due to, I believe, surgical complications in surgery. These individuals probably just have dysmorphic disorder of some sort, body integrity dysmorphic disorder. In this image, we have surgery addict Mary begging her fans to buy her a mobility scooter. Clearly, you can see this woman is not going to be able to lead a normal life. Now, here's the interesting thing, and we'll talk about Dylan Mulvaney in this context. I was talking with Tom Fitt, and he said he doesn't think transgender surgeries should be allowed for anyone, adult or otherwise. I disagreed. And he said, would we allow someone to cut their arm off? Well, look, you cut off someone's arm, and now they're going to become dependent. They're not going to be able to live their lives. There was one woman, apparently, who blinded herself because she was trans-abled. Clearly, these people are suffering from some kind of mental disorder, I assume would be in the DSM-5, similarly to gender dysphoria. The thing about gender dysphoria, though, is the worst-case scenario for many of these people is, well, there are complications for sure. So I shouldn't say worst-case scenario. But they still have arms, they still have legs. An individual who undergoes... Uh, uh, you know, a a male who wants to be a trans woman, they will simply lose the ability to reproduce. They'll still be able to use their hands to see, to hear, to live. So I don't know if it's the same thing. This woman, however, needs a mobility scooter to get around, but people are paying for it. So she might be able to hire someone. Yeah, I don't know if that's what capitalism was supposed to be, but here we are. Which brings me to Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney is not transgender. This is exactly what Dylan Mulvaney is. It is not gender dysphoria. It is how can I make money on social media? This is what people do. They say with this market becoming increasingly saturated, more people are looking for a point of difference to set them apart from the crowd, with some turning to extreme plastic surgery procedures to give them larger breasts, lips and even vaginas. One OnlyFans model who has made headlines for her enhancements is Mary Magdalene. The Mexican-born influencer reportedly became so addicted to cosmetic procedures that she was forced to beg fans to help her buy a mobility scooter as her body was breaking down under the weight of her implants. And then we actually have, I think, the post here saying, I've been shopping around for my mobility scooter. I'm trying to find a pink one. If there's anyone that wants to buy it for me, DM me. I'll put it on my Amazon wish list. Okay. Something is wrong with these individuals. Should we allow them to engage in these procedures? I assume most conservatives would say, no, we shouldn't. I don't disagree. I think this is the serious problem. But tell me then why this is different from Dylan Mulvaney. What I see with with trans people is someone suffering from some kind of body integrity dysmorphia disorder. When it comes to anorexia, we have an intervention, and they get therapy, and they fight very, very hard. But these are people who are severely depressed to the point where they stop eating. They're literally dying. For a trans person, we do the inverse. This society says that we must affirm this and then, in many cases, sterilize the individual, inadvertently, I suppose they argue, and ultimately take, you know, just take away their reproductive organs or give them cross-sex hormones. That doesn't put them in a wheelchair, but it does end their ability to reproduce. There is a big difference. But why affirm this? Both individuals, anorexic or dysmorphic, are gonna be suffering anxiety and say something's wrong with my body. Both individuals will go to extreme measures of unhealthiness, but we tolerate one and not the other. I'm not gonna pretend to tell you that uh, I know what, what the answers to all of this is, but what you're seeing here with the OnlyFans scenario is a woman, women, who modify their bodies for money, for the most part. They become something that generates clicks and subscribers and they've become unique. This is what I believe Dylan Mulvaney is doing. Dylan Mulvaney sang a song on TikTok about having a bulge. People with gender dysphoria don't do that. It would be like an anorexic person who is still a little chubby going on camera and grabbing their rolls and saying, it's okay that I have rolls. Wait, wait, wait. I thought the issue for anorexia was you don't want to be fat. It embarrasses you. Right. We understand that. People with gender dysphoria say they get triggered in these ways, and they don't want to experience that. There's one individual who is a a, a biological male, transgender as a child, and put out a video saying that using the women's bathroom affirms them. It makes them feel good. And going in the men's room triggers their dysphoria. If that is the case, why would Dylan Mulvaney intentionally go on camera to accentuate male body parts? Because Dylan Mulvaney, just like this, gets surgery to exploit social media. Take a look at this. Christina, There's this is a, a woman, let me pull up her, uh, her name's up here. Christina Ashton Gurkhani. She died. She was a Kim Kardashian lookalike. Undergoing extreme plastic surgery to try and look like Kim Kardashian. She lost her life because of it. It's actually rather sad, and I I, I think we need to give... We give we we need to give people therapy and help when they're experiencing things like this. But this is what social media has created. It has created people who seek validation and will get it in any way possible. We call them grifters, but the left acts like they only exist in politics. I'll tell you what what I find really funny. We had Lance from the surf on the show. I've mentioned that three times today. I think it was a very good episode. Before the show, he said, everyone's a virtue signaler. It's all they do. Everyone's virtue signaling. And I said, no, they're not. Like, I don't associate with people who do that. Some, but not always. This is what I found fascinating. There's no point in trying to convince the leftist that virtue signaling is unique among the left because he's surrounded by these people. And so his mentality is that everyone's lying all the time for internet clicks. Okay, that's the world they live in. They know they live in that world. We don't. I don't live in that world. I post things when I feel like posting them. I post things that I think matter. I'm not posting something in, in an effort to signal to a base that I agree with them. I was just ragging on the DeSantis team for, for not dealing with, uh, not investigating the family of Jazz Jennings. I don't care about whether the DeSantis people like me or don't like me. It's ridiculous. First, I'll say DeSantis is the best governor this country has. He'd make a great president but he's got an issue in his own state and they won't address it. So I'll call him out. I'll call him out for it. The left, they don't do this. You have that video of those two young Democrat guys. They're on Tim Dillon's podcast. And he's like, you know, I'll criticize Democrats and I'll lose followers. And then Tim Dillon's like, can we clip that? He goes, no, please. No, no, please. No, no, don't, please. Because they're in a cult. I can say something like DeSantis' media team are bad at what they do. I I, I hear that. Uh, I'll tell you why. I mean, it's personal, but I, th- I I use this as an example of the difference. Someone puts together a supercut of Jazz Jennings, being depressed and getting these surgeries, and uh, I say, "Where's Where's Ron DeSantis? All this happening in Florida," and the response from DeSantis's media people was to imply I was grifting, I was trying to clickbait, I was rage baiting. It's the weirdest thing, considering I've I've been. Pretty in favor of DeSantis, and then they said things like "Ron doesn't have a time machine; he can't go back to New York." That's the game people play, and of course, the DeSantis people have their virtue signalers. But the reality is, Jazz Jennings got surgery in Florida during the DeSantis DeSantis uh, administration—vaginoplasty surgery. Now, granted, it was done before DeSantis made it illegal, but nonetheless. Still. There it is. So why are they attacking me? Why are they mad at me? I'm not here to relitigate that whole thing. I'm just here to point out I got no problem calling out the right or whatever, because this side doesn't just have a bunch of virtue signalers. That's what the left is. These people like Dylan Mulvaney, like these women will say or do anything to get clicks and to be famous. How do we deal with something like that? I don't know. I, I talk about this video of why, why I think Trump lost 2020, a guy I knew filming himself, his phone like this, and he's holding the ballot and walking up to the mailbox saying, I did my part. Did you? And they're like, how did Biden get so many votes? Because it's a cult. If they're willing to give themselves 40 pounds of boob to the point where they can't walk anymore, you think they wouldn't vote for Joe Biden? This is what we're up against. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.